Warning! The podcast you're about to hear is very filthy. We say naughty words you would use as an adult anyway. It will cause you not to eat your vegetables, and your mom generally thinks it's a bad idea. Any moment of the show that has any similarity to the history of any person living or dead, real or fictional, to real events are entirely unintentional and coincidental. Unless we're specifically noted otherwise in the cast and crew credits, all celebrity voices are impersonated, and new celebrity has endorsed any aspect of the show. Hey everyone, uh, this is another Good About the Geek, Geek, Good About the Geek, I can't even fucking speak. It's another Good About the Geeky episode, uh, I believe it's episode 241 of me while I'm driving. Um, real quick out of the way, we'll get to the sponsors out of the way. First off, big thank you and major kudos to Pack Rat Comics. Uh, they're the ones sponsoring, uh, not sponsoring, they're, well I guess in a way they are sponsoring. They're allowing us to do our live show. Uh, during their not at Comic Con Comic Con, and that is just so freaking amazing, guys. You have no idea. Um, I'm, we're very blessed, uh, and uh, they are Jamie and Teresa who run Packrat, and the rest of the Packrat crew are simply and absolutely amazing. Uh, I love those guys. Uh, you should check them out if you ever go to the Hilliard, Ohio, or Columbus, Ohio area. Check out PackratComics.com and uh, check out their podcast, their uh, website, and other fun stuff. Also, if you uh, are interested in possibly uh, Audible, you, which is technically, it's a book in podcast form. That's really what it is. At least that's how I treat it. AudibleTrial.com forward slash GoodBadGeeky. Uh, use that uh, promo code, GoodBadGeeky, uh, or that URL is the promo code, I guess I should say. And by doing that and signing up for a 14-day free trial, not only do you get that 14-day free, free trial, you can sort of see what Audible is all about. You get a free audiobook. How freaking cool is that? And with over 100,000 titles to choose from, that's pretty fucking sweet. So check that out. And last but not least, utmt.com. Check that out. It's uh, the Ultimate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a fan-based webcomic. So, all right. With that being said... Here's another episode, uh, and if you hear some weird stuff going on, it's because uh, I am driving the car while I do this. Uh, yeah, so uh, I know it's a safety violation, I'm sure, of like four different kinds, but uh, this is how this is how we roll here, people, at the Good, the Bad, and the Key. We do it, we put, our li- we put our own lives in danger every day, on the line, for you, the listener, the people that we care about more than anything, including our wives, girlfriends, and significant others. Okay, so I've seen a lot of movies, and I've touched on some of them already, uh, and I thought I've done an accurate job of, of discussing them. Others I've mentioned in passing, and I don't really feel I've properly done talked about them enough. So that's what we're going to do here today, folks. We're going to talk about that stuff. We're going to talk about it because it's fun for me to just talk and talk and talk. And at some point, you get bored. Well, look at the show notes. You can find out when we're talk about your favorite movie. Okay, so, one of the movies I've mentioned in passing a few times, I guess I'll get this one out of the way first, and I'll try not to talk too long about it, is uh, the movie Chef by Jon Favreau. I absolutely adore this movie. It is one of my favorite movies of the entire year, and 
This is coming from a guy who loved Captain America, the first Avenger, who has seen a bunch of other movies this year. But, like, I, I don't know. There's something about the movie Chef that really just speaks to me on, on, on many levels. And the movie, for those who don't know, is about a chef, played by John Favreau, who really, really, really wants... To, he's feeling a bit disconnected from his job. He's a chef in a very popular restaurant, uh, which is managed by Dustin Hoffman in a very, very, very bit part. Because, uh, again, I don't want to mislead, mislead people. I would say the stars of the movie are John Leguizamo, who is a sous chef, I believe. Don't, don't, he's a chef in, in Favreau's kitchen. Bobby Carnaval, who, like Dustin Hoffman, plays a little bit part. Uh, is a chef in the kitchen. Sofia Vergara is John Favreau's ex-wife. And then there's his son. And I do apologize, I do not know that young actor's name. But uh, the movie features um, a food critic, who I'm not going to say, because I feel like the actor who does it does an excellent job. And I feel that it's a bit of a spoiler if I say who it is, um, more than than usual. I'm gonna let that. So I'm gonna let that be and slide. Uh, he writes a review years ago that put John Favreau's chef on the map, and that's what got him the job at where he works at now. Um, and uh, years later, he's going to review them again. And so Favreau makes a, a managerial call after listening to Dustin Hoffman plead with him, saying, "Don't try to to." try to do anything super special for this guy. Just wow him with the stuff that you wow everybody with on a day-to-day basis here at the restaurant because it's the safe thing to do. Favreau's chef knows that it's not, it's not, it's not, it's probably not a good call, but he's like, you know what? He listens to him and he, and technically it's about him selling out a, a little bit. He, he realizes he has sold out and he continues forward with that sort of thought process, and it gets him a very bad review. And in the process, his son, trying to connect with his son, his son signs him up on Twitter, and he starts a Twitter war with the the, the food critic, and the two of them go at it until finally he has a, a, a public mental breakdown. Uh, not mental, I would say he just, he goes mental on the food critic in public, and he, obviously he loses his job. And it's about finding his creative freedom, his creative voice as a chef, and as, as an artist, because... Those who are chefs are, are like, they consider themselves like artists to create the perfect type of food. Um, and for those who've seen Ratatouille, you, you, you get this, you know what I mean? And I guess that's what leads to this, this conversation, I, which I really love, which is, um, why is it movies about food really speak to, at least to me, I find are the best types of films that speak to the human condition and really speak to the ability to create art as an artist. Because Ratatouille is really about that. It's about, you know what, facing adversity uh, with your critics and just... And this one, it's not just facing the adversity of your critics, but just going, you know what, maybe they're right, maybe they're not, but you have to do what's right for you. And, and, and I really love that. Um, Robert Downey Jr. even has a bit part. I mean, but it's a, it's it's a, literally a cameo. I, I want to be clear on that. But it, it, he he chews this, chews up the scenery. It's amazing. Um, but Favreau really, I think, and this is my personal opinion. I think he got a little. I think he feels like the chef in the movie a little bit because he did uh, Cowboys and Aliens, and then he did Iron Man Two. And those were two films that were, let's be honest, not critically lauded. They were um, very heavily panned or not well treated uh, by audiences. And 
Well, the audience has paid out in gross semen. Cowboys and Aliens made its money back, but not enough to do a sequel. And I don't think... Uh, and it was more like a lukewarm reception for, for Cowboys and Aliens especially. A movie that he... I think Favreau really felt he knocked it out of the park with. And, and in the end, it ended up not not being that. Um, you know. So... I really think this is Favreau's answer to that, which is, this is me, because I think he, I believe so, he did this as an indie movie, um, I, I believe, and it's or as close as you can get for him being a, doing an indie movie, and I just really love that, I think it speaks to me on some great level, uh, and, and it's just a wonderful film, and uh, before I move on from speaking about Chef, Sofia Vergara, and this is, I hate to say I, I followed into that trope or stereotype, but every part she plays is usually the badass bitch, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are people who make a good living doing that, and she is no exception. Or she plays the the Colombian woman who, you know, as the joke says uh, in the Mean Tweets segment, uh, sounds like she has a cock in her mouth at all times. I don't really agree with that statement, but people think of her that way. They don't think of her... I, I really don't think people give her a chance as an actress, really. I think Modern Family open that up a little bit to get her the roles that she, you know, she has been getting, but I don't think that she's been giving better roles, and, and you know, that's how Hollywood works, and I get that, I, I, I don't necessarily respect it, but that's, that's, that's how everything, it's how the, the industry works. Chef, on the other hand, gives her a fully formed character that gives her, allows her to, to you know, to, to chew on the scenery, to really feel like a really fully developed character. Um, and nothing against her performance uh, as the new uh, wife of patriarch uh, uh, Jay uh, Ed Ward, or Ed O'Neill, I should say. But it, it just feels a little—it it just feels a little bit more hollow uh, of a character. And that's—that's that's maybe me. And and I, and I like Modern Family. I want to stress that. But uh, Sophie Figuera, um, especially, was 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 a very pleasant surprise because I was like, oh, it's Sophie Figuera. I wasn't expecting anything from her performance and. Even her part, as small as it is, and it's not as small as like Robert Downey Jr., Dustin Hoffman, etc., but it's it's phenomenal. It really feels like a fully formed character with their own thoughts, desires, needs, and you know to have a three a third third three dimensional character like that developed in a, in a movie. I mean, that's not just the writing. That's that's the performance, and that's amazing. And I I, I really I cannot speak to much much more about this because I don't want to spend too much time. But um, check that out. It should still be in theaters. Or find a way to get a hold of it and support the film. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. I really do love it. Okay, so that's Chef. Oh, one last thing. Stick through to the end of the credits. You you won't you you will be pleasantly surprised. Okay. With that being said, How to Train Your Dragon Two. I actually walked away feeling a bit bummed by that movie, and not in a good way. Not like Empire bummed. Like oh man, I'm excited for the third one, which. Am I excited for a third How to Train Your Dragon movie? God, yes, but I really walked away from How to Train Your Dragon 2 feeling like there was something a little off in the storytelling, and it, it felt like a very, it, it felt like a very different movie, and I felt that some of it contradicted the setup of the first movie, and I don't like when movies do that, um, or it has to feel, I guess... I was expecting a lot more from How to Train Your Dragon 2. Was it a fantastic movie? Yes. And, and what I mean by that is that 
in the first movie, there was no clear setup about dragons or anything about Hiccup or or anything about uh, about this other. And I I do I do apologize. Uh, I do not know the name of the bad guy, but the guy who's who says he wants to control the dragons and and everything like that because it shows hints and signs that he could control dragons and he has a dragon army. I I, I just find it impossible to believe that. Um, that wouldn't have been mentioned or that wouldn't have been talked or discussed about in the first movie. And when something like that happens, it contradicts something that happened in the first movie. It, it bothers me. And usually I am a guy who loves, you know, to, to believe that it wasn't important to the story in the first movie, so it wasn't mentioned. I can usually see through that, but I guess because the first movie was such... A, such a marvel at animation and storytelling. It, it raised the bar from what I expected from a DreamWorks film. Uh, I watched Turbo the other day on Netflix, and I was I was just so goddamn disappointed in Turbo. But but the preview for Turbo didn't speak to me as this is a movie where you know there's going to be a lot of great heart to it or anything like that. And not to say there wasn't. Turbo is an okay movie. It just wasn't for me. Um, for a film that was a comedy, I was I was disappointed from it. I, I literally the only part of what I laughed at in Turbo was, I think the very beginning when the brother gets uh, kidnapped by the the cr- three crows and they start fighting for it. The, the crow gets hit by the bus. That to me is the fun funniest part of the whole movie. It, it was felt like it, oh the movie was worth watching for that one gag. No, it was a bit so yeah it was a bit disappointment and. Paul Giamatti's brother just like nailing it over the head of, of like you're not going to amount to anything like being oh, I just felt it was a little bit much um, and so you know I, I get with DreamWorks film like yeah, do I hold Pixar to the, to a higher standard yes and usually I walk away from a Pixar film feeling mostly very much pleased uh, Monsters University I did not feel that way at all but uh, that to me was a film it, I guess that's the thing is that if it's original content like Up I get really excited for it if it's Toy Story I'm a, I think I'd be okay with that Monsters University I think is a step in the wrong direction but I, I think that was the part of the problem is that How to Train Your Dragon 2 to get back on topic didn't feel like it had feel like it was trying to do too much all at once and the whole thing about the mother it, it, it just felt a little, it felt a little off to me, and I, I felt that the way that the, the that Hiccup forgave um, Hiccup forgave Toothless for killing his father. Grant is true; he didn't have control over it, and he was, and he did show signs of being upset. But he forgave him way too quickly. I, I just felt there was there was something else needed for that, like the recognition that Hiccup had to use Toothless to save the day. I, I guess I think I wanted more. I wanted more sacrifice. I wanted something else more than... Because it just felt like Gerard Butler's uh, father character in How to Train Your Dragon 2 was just dragon fodder. And there's a difference between having dragon fodder and having, uh, you know, that's supposed to emote in action. And did I cry? I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but that's because of all the, the build-up they did in the first movie. There was nothing in the second movie that made me care more about the father at all, or really Hiccup even. I, I thought that it felt like it backtracked a little bit, and um, 
and I want to be very clear, I enjoyed the movie. I just, I, I guess I was is wanting more. I, I don't really know how to particularly explain what I'm referencing here, but uh, I guess that bothered me. I, I was a little disappointed in that. Um, because I felt they focused too much on the mother, and that's fine, but I, to me, I thought uh, and I, there should have been more with the father, or the, the father stuff wasn't well handled in the beginning. Because, again, like the whole first movie, I think, was about the father listening to the son and realizing that his son is good in the community and important. And, yes, it, it also feels like the, the character backtracked a little bit. Like, there was nothing earned, nothing gained. And you can use the, use the excuse that people don't change, but with a story, it sort of does. Uh, I, I think that that doesn't really necessarily work the same when you're dealing with a story. I think that a character like that, or it, it needs to be better handled, uh, that, you know, Hicka could have said, like, my dad hasn't really changed, he, instead of, uh, being, uh, upset and won't let, let it go that I will never be the Viking now, he's, he won't let it go that I am, and he still doesn't really listen to me as much as I'd like him to, and all this other stuff, but I, I feel that sort of goes against what the ending of the first movie was anyway, because, Everything that Hiccup did and built there around them with Craig Ferguson's Viking character, I, again, it just feels like it's a step in the wrong direction, you know? And it, that's a little bit disheartening for me. Uh, and uh, well, I already talked about Jersey Boys, uh, so I'm not going to really mention that. And Transformers 4 was just god-awful horrible. Ugh, I mean, just god-awful horrible. And I'm going to throw, and this is an older movie, but I, just in case people don't know, because uh, people really love Peter Dinklage now. Uh, he is Tyrion, uh, and I hate to use this term, but uh, the person of shorter, I'm not going to use it then, uh, the person of shorter stature on Game of Thrones who plays Lord Tyrion. Um, Peter Dinklage is in a movie called The Station Agent. Uh, the director ended up, I think, uh, the writer-director of that movie also did the movie Win-Win with Paul Giamatti, which is a fantastic movie. Um, I didn't know about that till afterwards, but uh, it stars uh, Peter Dinklage and Bobby Carnaval, and it's absolutely fantastic. I absolutely adore the movie, and I think that you should really check it out. Uh, it's, it's called The Station Agent. You can get it on Netflix. If not, you can have to acquire it through some other means like Redbox or however else you wish to. But um, you're gonna, it, it's really worth it. It's fantastic. Um, it's an indie movie that doesn't really have a lot of, um, doesn't really have a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, so many movies, it's really just a, the examination of, of, a, of a, it's like more like, it's a character study. I would say it's more like that. Um, it's about these three people who are uh, sort of, or maybe even four, who are in this small town and they're dealing with things. And and that's cool, it, it's really awesome, but it, it's still a little, if you're not used to that type of movie, you know, which I think people today are now, they, their tastes are a little more wide and varied. Um, but to me, I thought the stage agent was amazing. Peter Dinklage is absolutely fantastic, wonderful. And Bobby Carnaval is, is amazing, too. I hope I'm saying that right. If not, I'm really fucking up his name. Uh, and, and he doesn't deserve that. So uh, I apologize, good sir. But it's, it's absolutely a fantastic movie. Um, it's about a, a, a very short man who uh, 
uh, I make the assumption because he is different, he doesn't really open up to a lot of people, and he's also a train enthusiast. Um, and uh, there is someone who likes trains, uh, this older gentleman, and uh, he lives above the, this train hobby store with the gentleman, not with him in the same apartment, but, you know, in the building with him, and uh, the gentleman hires him, and then one day he passes away. Uh, part of his will is that he gets a station agent house uh, in, this, uh, in this town in New Jersey, and... Uh, and he, he can't stay in, in the building because the building was uh, part of his will as they goes to this other corporation who they're going to make a parking lot out of it or whatever. So uh, it's really, and so it's about him adapting to this small town, small New Jersey town life and living in the station agent house. And which for him, you know, it, like for anybody else, it would like, you know, probably drive him crazy. But he, he finds peace and solace in it in a weird way. Um, or does he? It, it's an interesting character study. You should really check it out. It's called The Station Agent. Uh, and that's really good. And, you know, I, I'll talk about Turbo a little bit, too. Uh, I said I didn't really care for it, and that is very much true. I, I did not enjoy it. I, I don't... I don't know why. Um, well, I do know why. It just didn't do anything for me. I thought there was no real good... It, it's, it's like an older version... Uh, it's like an older PDI DreamWorks movie, which is not Shrek, mind you, but like Shrek 2 or Shrek 3, um, or actually, let me take that back, Shrek 2 is actually really good. But some of the other movies that, that, that DreamWorks have done, minus Kung Fu Panda, which is, they're just sort of there, they're like, they're, they're, it's just a good, it's an okay movie to watch to kill time. It's not that great. Actually, I think I said everything I want to say about Turbo, but I did also see, in the same vein, Cloudy of the, uh, with the Chance of Meatballs 2, and uh, I was also not impressed with that. I, 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 to me, I thought the best part of that movie was the song Paul McCartney, uh, his song New, which I have, which I already had, but to hear it in the movie was a bit surreal, because usually Paul doesn't let his stuff in movies, usually, too often, um, and so it just threw me for a loop. And, uh, and the movie was okay. It was better than I was expecting, but it, I, I guess I was expecting a really bad film. And I walked away going, eh, it was mildly funny, and that, that was pretty much it. Uh, that's also on Netflix. Uh, again, you can probably check it out on Redbox or, or other places or find it on your local DVD store. Um, but it just didn't do anything for me there either. So... Man, let me see. I really don't have much else to really talk about besides those uh, items. I'm going to go see Don of the Planet of the Apes uh, later tonight. Uh, this is while I'm recording this. So remember, we might talk about this during the live show. Um, but uh, I don't know, guys. I really don't feel I have anything else important to add. So I'm not going to keep rambling and 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 rambling. I'm not going to keep doing that. So I think that's just cruel to you guys. So, uh... Thank you very much for listening and putting up with me uh, talking just to me, myself, and I. And uh, I hope you uh, enjoy this episode. If you uh, want more episodes like this or don't mind more episodes like this, or if you do mind, you know, please let me know, goodbaggeeky at gmail.com or uh, Twitter us at, uh, at goodbaggeeky. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky.